Welcome back to Chit Chat with Alley Cat. I'm your host, Alley Cat, and today I'm here with Patterson Amatibe. He is a community organizer, social worker, and a motivational artist. Welcome, Pat. Hi, everybody. How's everybody doing? It's a glorious day today. You said glorious. It's a glorious day today. <laughs> You know, and it's Sunday, so I felt like you were about to take us to church. You said, welcome. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> you know, tomorrow's this morning. I, I'm in the church spirit, you know what I'm saying? Let's preach. Look, you're feeling good. Um, so today, y'all, we're going to get into talking about failure um, and really, like, the intricacies of failure, how it shows up in our lives, um, and our definition of success. And I really want to start with that definition of success Pat how do you define success in your life and your work and in the things you do so for me I define success success as an identity that you're congruent with Mm -hmm. and so for me success is so let's say for example um, I want to be a motivational artist and I want to work with folks to motivate them I may have like criteria or things that I want to meet and then I align my life with that so if I need to be an artist who moves across the stage a lot, then I need to make sure I have my cardio up. So that success for me is riding my bike in the morning because then that is going to make me successful to show up on stage in that way. Um, if I'm a social worker and I'm diving deep with people about like trauma or triggers or just hurt and pain, then me reading a book about those things is successful. And so it's me being congruent with the identity that I'm choosing to live. Um, so anyone can be successful. If you're like, I'm a social worker, then how you then then find what that means to you and find activities to do that support that identity. And then once you're doing that, you're successful. Um, so mm-hmm. that's how I, I identify success. And I think success is an emergent too. So um, mm-hmm. success isn't just like, I do this, like let's use fitness for an example. People want to be healthy, but healthy isn't just working out. That's one aspect. So it's, let's say it's working out, eating healthy, sleeping good, drinking water, um, and then, um, let's say, um, exercise, mindset, good. <laughs> mindset. Mm-hmm. and then all those things together equal fitness. But if you take one of those things out of it, you're not successful at creating fitness. So for me, being a social worker, being a motivation artist, there's multiple aspects or branches to it. I need to feed all of them in order to be that thing, which I, I'm choosing to strive towards. And right. for me, that's success. Right. And I, I appreciate how you bring in how um, it reminds me of leadership, which we both um, went mm-hmm. to, you know, the the value of one, the power of all. So thinking about mm-hmm. how the smaller steps, the, you know, more, um, I wouldn't say minute, but you know, like the, the little like the aspects, steps. yeah, the micro steps that bring you into this like macro space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized I didn't, we didn't give folks background. So y'all, it's like back to back. <laughs> Um, like CSUMB folks, I got <laughs> otters coming through. Um, we we went to undergrad together, but I also love we've had so many intersections in our friendships, in our um, like student leader life. Like we just we did a lot of different things, and so when I reference leadership, you know, because we both went in different years uh, to this really awesome six. Day Institute, uh, which is essentially like a leadership retreat, but monumental. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, it changed my worldview 
um, especially in terms of how I see myself um, as a leader. Um, the year that I went was uh, after I had lost a student election. <clears throat> I had lost a student election and it was like this big thing because I had gone against like the quote unquote incumbent, you know? Um, right. And there was also, I don't know if you remember, it was like a super group that emerged? Yes. <laughs> it was like an Avengers assembly. Yeah. And that there was a whole campaign. It was off Facebook. I remember there were videos. I remember this. <laughs> yeah, so I had lost because I didn't, I didn't align with them. That's really, I think, one of the things that happened. It was like, I didn't hop onto their train. Um, which, I don't know. I don't regret that. I think that um, the failure, though, the guilt and the shame that sat with me in that mm-hmm. was, was so much deeper than the election itself right so mm-hmm. when i went to leadership it was like almost on a fluke i was like uh on the wait list or whatever i was like that alternate and mm-hmm. one of the people couldn't go and they called me and they were like do you want to go are you available and i was like yes oh my god like um oh. and so when i when i got there i just remember thinking still kind of like in this space of self-doubt like well are you sure it should be me that's here like I, I kept yeah. thinking that and it wasn't until I think day two or three that I was like, whoa, like I have a space, you know, yeah. and it's, it's really on me to cultivate that space. So I'm wondering if you had any experiences or, um, yeah, challenges or anything that shaped your current worldview of failure and success and how they relate to each other. Yeah. So, you know, growing up, uh, so my parents were in the DV situation, so domestic violence. And um, one thing growing up is that uh, whenever I would pop into the room, my dad was beating my mom, he would stop. So my idea was like success is kind of showing up, failure is not showing up. Um, but then, you know, ultimately my dad kind of killed my mom, um, but I was awake and I didn't leave the room. And so it, failure shifted to this not showing up to this identity thing. So then failure became my identity. Whenever I would participate in things, I, I would feel this kind of failure roaming with me and I would stop before I reached the finish line. I, would, mm-hmm. I wouldn't I would show up at the very end. I would get to the point where it's like, yeah, Pat, you can do it. And right before I crossed the finish line, I would stop. Because I ultimately was carrying this baggage and the shame of not showing up when it was crucial. And then I ultimately stopped showing up to things. Um, and that kind of like shaped my worldview. Um, but then I think I've learned through life that success is also about being adaptable. And so it's, it's never, there's this, there's this quote I love. It's called the three H's, the, the head, the heart, and the hand. So the head is the planner. It plans where you're going. It's like, we're going to get here by A, B, C, and D. And, but what the heart knows, the head doesn't know is that the plan is going to go nothing like that at all. The heart knows that we're going to keep you in the game and keep you passionate to keep going towards that North star. Mm-hmm. And then the hands are the acts of service you do for yourself and others. And so one thing I learned, which helped me reshape my, my almost, I created failures and identity things to be like, no, I failed, but I'm not a failure, mm. um, was that um, I could adapt. So even though I failed at something, I could learn how to adapt and move. And the thing is I could still get to my destination. Um, so let's say, for example, um, like I quit football when I was younger because I, I felt that I was a failure uh, getting the coaches to want me to do D-line. So I kept putting me on O-line. Um, or in undergrad when I was a bio-pre-med major and I was partying all the time, but I wasn't <laughs> aligning with, with classmates. All the bio majors would get together and do homework 
And I was like, I could do this. I can get it done. I was just, I started failing like a class a semester. Mm. And I just felt like a failure. And that actually like shocked. They like rocked my identity because being Nigerian, you're always told you're going to be a lawyer, doctor, engineer. And then I mm. couldn't be a doctor. So really like it rocked my core. And I was like, well, what am I going to be? I don't know who I am anymore. So it became this failure, became this identity thing to me instead of being Nigerian or being Patterson or being this person who's social, who can move around and navigate situations. Right, um, like super dynamic. It, like that's something I remember about you is that you were in almost every like social group that I knew of in some <laughs> way or you were at least known in some way. Um, and I just wanted to go back. So, and, and I know this is like, I know something, something you processed, but I also, I consider it to be sensitive. Um, and so you said that you witnessed your father kill your mother. <clears throat> you were in the room. I was in the space. I wasn't in the room. So uh, I was awake. The, the burglar alarm was going off. I heard the gunshots. I heard the fighting. Uh, but I just stayed in my room and didn't mm. leave, even though I would normally get up and go in there, kind of be like, hey, I'm Got here. It. I'm present. Here's my face. Stop it. You know, mm-hmm. but that time I didn't. And that was like a shame I carried for a long time and felt guilty for. Because you um, felt like if you had gone, maybe something mm-hmm. would be different. Mm-hmm. Like I had this idea that if I, yeah, if I would have showed up in any way, I would have been successful. Um, if I would have mm-hmm. just did the minimal effort, I would have been successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think life doesn't, life doesn't work like that. I think, um, like I was successful in staying in my room. I was successful for not going out there. Cause what if, cause what if, you know, he was going to continue anyway and I would have got hit by a straight bullet. Right. I was successful. So it's learning how to like look at my experience for like, what did go right? Like, what are all the other successes if I just stopped focusing on that one thing I call failure? Right. Um, that's the adapting piece. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with that. And thank you for clarifying. I think that um, being adaptable when thinking about failure um, and removing, you know, the label of, you know, that self-imposed label of I am a failure mm-hmm. because like I, <laughs> um, Sierra's mom always says this, nothing beats a failure but a try. And it's like, it's something I just, I hold with me and it it really does like Mm -hmm. remind me like, that's so true. Like you can fail quote unquote, you know, by doing something and you don't make it to the finish line. Right. But you Mm -hmm. tried it. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, it's a success. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You could could fall flat on your face. Like, and that's how people, Mm -hmm. the idea of falling forward right like yes this like space where you are able to reiterate and um really like just kind of permeate like all these different ideas in your mind and and try mm-hmm. them out and i think yes um, what is it it's like a people think of it as like a minimal viable product or something like that it's like an mvp mm-hmm. where you just go and test out the small thing test out the small mm-hmm. thing and see how it goes and see how it's received and then go from there Rather than feeling like, oh, I have to, you know, in my first, like, people would like music, right? The first thing mm-hmm. out, it's platinum. It's like, whoa, <laughs> like, what about if you, you know, reach X amount of listeners or have mm-hmm. people who who rock with you, like, long-term exactly. fans, you know? Um, I think a lot about, like, yeah, like, artists like Kid Cudi and, mm-hmm. like, um... I mean, honestly, like, people who have stands too, like, Drake and Beyonce, right? Like, when they quote-unquote, when they when they fail, right? When, I don't even know if that's a thing, but when they, <laughs> when they fail in their eyes, right? Like, right. what does that look like? 
And I think that often people are comparing themselves to people who mm-hmm. have different standards of success. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering for you in your your time, it sounds like you, ha- you do a lot of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. And so just wondering in your reflection, how did your standard of success shift to meet where you were? Mm. You know what? That's a good question. I think for me, that is a very good question. When did my standard of success shift to meet me? Mm. You know, I would say back in 2016, so my father had passed away in prison. Um, and one thing he said is, like, Pat, you're fat. <laughs> and Nigerians are just direct like that. And so I, like, promised him I'd lose weight you know, before he had died and he passed away and I lost his weight. But in that process of losing weight, I started to recognize like my own strength that, you know, first month after dieting, I lost 26 pounds. Then the second month I lost, I think it was like 20, 22 pounds. And the next month was 18. Um, and I started realizing that how I think about things, it was the issue. Like me, like when I think about like, if I, if I tell my brain, um, how did I, you know, mess up in this thing? It would be like Google and give me a million answers on how I did that. But if I ask my brain, hey, how can I do this better? I started looking at multiple things. I'd be on my bike listening to documentaries, like kind of being aligned with success um, and the learning things I could do to tweak, have 1% my improvement on what to do. Um, and I think I just started listening to mentors and like YouTube, audiobooks of folks who are successful, who has success mindsets. Um, and really just downloaded all of that because my mindset was broken at the time. It was it was failure driven. It was failure. Failure is a human con. Or it's, it's a concept. It's a, it's a construct almost mm-hmm. where we construct in our own minds and it kind of operates in the background. And so I really had to listen to other folks who could actually give me a different way to program my brain right. to see the world differently. And I would say like maybe 2017, 2018 is when things really changed. Because I was I've been successful in a lot of all of us are we're successful in a lot of ways. I was very successful up until 2017, but I couldn't see it or recognize it. Mm-hmm. And then after that, once I started like getting successful, I'm like, wow, I'm successful. And I would look back on my life, I'm like, wait a minute, I was successful here, here, and here, and I never looked at it that way, huh? Mm-hmm. Only did, only I guess when I started, um, like when I was doing motivational speaking, that was also a healing process for me as I'm motivating others, I'm also getting that feedback for myself. Mm-hmm. And it was really like changing the game for me where it's like, no, anyone can do this. like people are born with different limitations but people can aspire to be great like we can be great people i can be a great person next you know i'm speaking i'm getting into the speaking gig after i'm done speaking it's like these little nuances of like okay i don't necessarily need to be you know um uh i don't know uh lisa nichols or tony robbins or um what was his name mr smiles but they started Um, somewhere they all started somewhere they all started somewhere i mean lisa nichols says she was um, going in the yellow pages, the white pages, contacting organizations to get her her thing going, and yeah. then from there built a team. Her her um, office was in her closet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boom. So, mm-hmm. um, I think for me now, it's how do I maintain that identity of success, mm. um, and also how do I not allow failure? Like I have to let myself know that failure, like the failure identity, doesn't exist. Right. On some level, even failing doesn't exist. Right. I think it was Thomas Edison had a, they were like, oh, you failed it a thousand ways to make the light, or light bulb. He's like, no, I learned a thousand ways how to not make the light bulb. Exactly. So it's, it's really just learning like, hey, when I do this, 
it's okay and not shaming myself. And I think that's the other piece. I think shame lives with failure. Like sh- shame and failure are best friends. Like shame is failure's mistress. <laughs> and when Ooh, we fail at something run, run that, that back, run that back. Shame, <laughs> shame is failure's mistress. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so whenever we fail, we just feel shame. We feel that either guilt we did something wrong or shame that, oh, woe was me. I, I'm I'm insignificant. I'm inadequate. Mm-hmm. Um, we just put ourselves in that kind of dark place. And then we just look at the world from there. As opposed right. to being like when failure happens, being like, you know, what did I learn here? How did I get better? Mm-hmm. You know, I went 20, so as opposed to, I wanted to go 30, but I went 20. Boom. Like, let's celebrate those 20. And then how do I go to 21 next time? You know, maybe exactly. it's my baseline. Yeah, and it's so funny. I was uh, been telling look the folks who listen to my podcast know. Um, I did the National Novel Writing Month, and mm-hmm. so NaNoWriMo is this like thing in November where everyone commits to writing fifty thousand words in their novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I spent the whole month writing, and it was so intense. I was just like, okay, writing every single day, mm-hmm. and like. My goal is to write every day, but sometimes I don't. And, like, that for me as a writer is, like, just I'm working on the discipline of that. Like, when I'm tired, mm-hmm. when I'm, like, overwhelmed, where I feel like things are hitting the fan, like, learning how to reset, right? And mm-hmm. so the month ended, and I think I hit 35,000 words. I didn't hit 50. Mm-hmm. And what I really appreciate about myself is that I still celebrated. I mm-hmm. was like, we got 35,000 words! Like, this is a thing. Like, this, my novel is, it's alive. It's in progress. It's happening yes. because, you know, if I were to look at it of like, well, you didn't hit 50. You know, right. I would have invalidated the whole month of work of mm-hmm. me writing every single day. I literally wrote every mm-hmm. day. And, like, I couldn't do that to myself. I remember, like, that November was kind of crazy in my life. Um, mm-hmm. And so, to really give myself that the credit the also the empathy of like you know I know you wanted to hit 50 but that didn't happen this is the first time that I actually finished the full month so really for me it was like okay what can you think of as a win and hold it there and yes. really em- embrace that as the win and I think that what you said about failure being a construct I think it is I think that it's this construct that also feeds off of comparison. Yes. You know? I like to call it compare and despair. When we start Ooh. comparing ourselves to other people, we go into despair. And so that's what that's why I try not to compare myself to others. I only try to compare myself to my past self or to my past higher self. Because I like to say, whatever I, whatever I did at my greatest, that's the identity I need to see myself today. Mm. Even though I may not be doing it at that level. And because that helps me move forward. So, oh, yeah, I'm a person who can work out every day. Am I working out every day? Not yet. I've been working out maybe every day for the past. I think now I'm on like day seven. Um, but after that, I was inconsistent. But I get to see myself as I work out every day. Like I'm a person who does that. Like anything that I've done at my highest, like you're the 35,000 word person. It's not I did it once. No, I am the 35,000 word person. I can do that as opposed to being like, oh, I didn't hit 50,000. No, I'm the 35,000. Yeah, I would keep telling myself those things. I had to let go of the number too. I was like, dude, the breakthroughs you made in this in this novel alone the breakthroughs were like mm-hmm. bigger than the number of words. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you've seen this new Disney movie, Soul. Hey, you know, it's been on my uh, story. People are posting everyone, about it. I have not seen it. 
So I won't give you like the, the full breakdown. Yeah, don't, but don't ruin it for me. Don't, no spoilers. I won't, I won't spoil it, but it, it's really like the, the message that I received that is overarching mm-hmm. is that, you know, just thinking about who you are is more important than what you do. Mm, yes. You know? Yes. And I think we get so fixed on these ideas of what we do as who mm-hmm. we are. And so mm-hmm. these identifiers become our identities. Um, you know? And you, mm-hmm. you cultivate them, right? Like, and I think about um, people who talk about, like, uh, they're revolutionaries, right? Mm-hmm. And and you and I know, like, to like revolutionary is, is less of a person and it's more of an ideology. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? It's and bigger so than a person. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than a human being. Mm-hmm. But people get so caught up in the identifier that they focus on that. Yeah. Which is short-sighted. It mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't allow, it doesn't allow the revolution to happen. No, it, it contains it. It puts it into a body. And mm-hmm. then people who often are looking for someone to follow, someone to um, look up to create this like space of like idolatry of like, oh my God, like mm-hmm. you're my idol, I love you so much type of a thing without realizing that, like you were saying earlier about motivational speaking, that everyone can do it, that everyone mm-hmm. can be an active participant in whatever capacity they need to, right? Yes. Like, and I think that gets lost in so many spaces. Mm-hmm. And I know you and I have seen it, you know, as, look, as student leaders turn leaders in the world, just doing all these different things, that mm-hmm. it's not always the people who are on the in the front who are doing the work or who are making the most impact. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people who aren't celebrated the ones who did the most work. Sometimes, like, success doesn't necessarily mean, like, I need to be on the billboard. I need to be in Vibe magazine. Sometimes if you're just doing the work and you're being successful at your craft, you don't need to have this you know, this following the masses, a blue check on Instagram <laughs> or Twitter. <laughs> right. Any uh, of the, any of the verifies. Um, mm-hmm. And so I love that you mentioned folks who sounds like you look up to that you kind of listen to. Um, mm-hmm. Has there been anyone recently that you've been like, Ooh, like they're on my wavelength. Mm, so it's folks I'm listening to. I love, I love Les mm-hmm. Brown. Les Brown. He's, he's mm-hmm. a G. He's a G. I just started listening to him maybe this last week so sometimes when i'm doing work i just play like these motivational video things mm-hmm. and then they'll have the voices will come up and then you go into the description to figure out who it is yeah and les brown was coming up and he's just he's just good yeah he, he's a storyteller which is what i like mm-hmm. so it's not just about you can do it but he'll tell a story about someone who wasn't successful or wasn't doing good or wasn't the person they wanted to be and how people were criticizing them and how yeah. they still rise above and his like, story is beautiful- really interesting too um I heard him on uh, Tom Bilyeu on uh, Impact Theory. Mm-hmm. Impact Theory, yep. Mm-hmm. And um, Les and Tom were, were talking, and he was talking about, like, his personal story of basically, like, success and how, you know, he's come to be where he was when he really mm. wasn't even, like, I think they used to call him, like, the dumb child. Like, they used to, mm. they used to really talk down to him. Um and and I, I love that you just shared that. I, I've been trying to think of who I've been listening to. Um, yeah, I mean, I end up mostly on YouTube, <laughs> too. <laughs> um, 
like it depends on if there's like a podcast but I do love Lisa Nichols um I think it's not just like the stories of the underdog rising from the ashes but like the perseverance like Mm -hmm. I think for me what really stands out is when people have these obstacles and the the challenges are not what stops them um they often realize that it's them that stops them yes and so with Mm -hmm. that it's like oh how did I get out of my own way? Um, mm-hmm. And, and yes. that, that is really a big thing because I think for most of the things I do and where I've been, whatever, I was in my own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I think about like when I lived in France, I spent four years thinking of like, oh, I'm going to go study abroad. Oh, I'm going to go study abroad. But then I would get in my own way and be like, mm-hmm. no, I can't. I can't. No. Mm-hmm. This isn't the year. This isn't the time, right? So when I finally went, I was like, whoa, we could have been here. could have done this. Right. Um, and even with this podcast, I always tell people this because I need them to know that, like, it was, like, four years of me having a logo. And I had, like, a hosting that I was paying for monthly. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't doing anything. That was in my own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really, like, wondering about for you if there was ever a time in a space where you really got in your own way and and yeah maybe like if it took time to evolve but if there was a time in a space where you were like look I was blocking all my blessings you know I mean I feel like even now I think even like what you said the podcast like people have been telling me to make a podcast for years before I was a public speaker people were like Pat you're a great speaker like you're so motivating and like I didn't become a public speaker until I was with the organization and then started speaking and then started getting paid. And then then I started doing my own thing. And then it's like, okay, Pat, make a website. I've had my website just like you for a couple of years. I own PatterSidneyMessery.com. Is there anything on it? No. <laughs> um, I've been getting in my own way to do that. And only recently have I been like, okay, let me stop doing that. Let me create the environment. Let me become the person who makes a website. So I you know, took a class or took a coaching class I got my coaching certificate, but there's also like a, a tech version. You're like a there. certified coach. <laughs> certified coach, you know. I, I love See, learning. I think the I best way the, for me is yeah. just learning. Mm-hmm. I, I, if I if I don't learn, I I just feel some type of way about myself. <laughs> yeah, so, I definitely consider myself to be a lifelong learner as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll constantly be in a space where I'm like, I want to learn something new. I was just telling my mom like, I I kind of want to learn a new instrument. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe it's a new language. <laughs> right, right. But, but that's how I get out of my ways, learning. Mm-hmm. If I don't know how to do something, I was almost, I probably don't have enough information. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we can get into analysis paralysis. But for me, it's if I go and listen to this podcast, this musical artist, or this, or this video, it helps me. Like, I need like a full range of people talking about something I want to do mm-hmm. for, for me to have enough information to make a decision. So I always get to the point. I don't even know oh. everything. I just need enough information to make a decision. That's, so that's where I get to. So you like to learn about, like, learn about something in depth before you're able to hop into it. Mm-hmm. That so I got because I feel like learning enrolls me into doing it. Hmm. I need to be enrolled. I need to be almost wooed into it. So if I like something, like, oh, I like that. I want to do it. Unless I'm listening to someone do it or or see it enough times. Like I have to. It's like a cool. It's like study your study abroad experience. Some folks go to a country, and then once they're immersed, they start picking up the language, they start speaking right. the language. And so for me, if I want to learn a topic, I have to immerse myself in that in different ways. 
mm-hmm. um, before I then do it myself. Um, oh, I think for me, I'm, a, I'm always a slow starter to things. People, some people are like, speed of implementation, boom. I'm over here like, I'm the tortoise. I, I'm, I'm a go. <laughs> Just give me a second. I'm, I'm a go. I'm a go. Let me look at this pamphlet real quick. Let me, <laughs> let me read the do map. You, do you consider yourself to be more of like a visual learner or like visual auditory in that way? I'm a visual auditory learner. Okay. So I'll do audiobooks, I'll do podcasts, I'll watch mm-hmm. videos. Mm-hmm. Um, when works, I can do video or I can do, oh, I like videos better because audio visual. But if I do audio, okay. um, I like the, like the compact and the two together. Like his has a bigger hit on my soul. So. Right. Yeah. yeah just... If I watch a thing that talks about how easy it's to make a podcast and I watch it, because then for me, I think I, I'm the video audio because I have a lot of, there's limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes it's not just being a foe, but it's like, the things we think will happen that actually won't happen or us playing, uh, I can see the future. And so I already know this is going to happen. And then us kind of priming that before we even take the journey. Mm-hmm. And so for me, before I even go on the journey, I like to read about it, hear what those little tips are, hear how people got over struggles or like, in case your audio goes down, what do you do? Or what are workarounds where it's like, oh, when I start hearing those stories, it's easier for me to jump onto it later on. Because then it's like, okay, people have found this out. I already know there's there's solved even that even though I haven't reached the problem, my brain already knows there's a solution to it. So I already know that there's and everything is workarounds. But once I hear a couple of them, I'm like, okay, okay, let's go, let's go, and I'm I'm off, I'm going. Hmm. That's interesting. I think for me, I've always been like um, what is it like a multi um, not multidisciplinary, but like a. Like your learning styles or yeah my learning styles are like are all of them um mm-hmm. mainly kinesthetic but like mm-hmm. if i start off like visual like that's visuals like the foundation like i need to everything has to have some kind of visual aspect to it as you like mm-hmm. can probably guess and like my art brain is like i need to see this um <laughs> and then um i can only do so much audio before i'm like i'm bored or um like I'm off somewhere else thinking about something else entirely but I really like the kinesthetic like the immersion is so important so like you Mm -hmm. reference like me going to France right I studied French for I think it was like nine years before I went Mm -hmm. and of course you know education you can regurgitate whatever when I got Mm -hmm. out there the immersion was like so next level because Mm -hmm. like I'm having to engage with people going to the post office and the grocery store and like, you know, and I was out there with Californians, it's like still I had to get out of my textbook French and get mm-hmm. into like a colloquial, um, mm-hmm. like everyday conversational French. Um, and so that for me was always so funny because there were so many days of like me being like, oh my God, I failed at French. Like I suck. Like I'm not right. good at this. Um, you know, I'd have a day where we'd have a test and uh, the teacher would be like, you missed this accent and this accent and this accent. And I'm just like, I don't speak French anymore. Um, and so like, I, I appreciate what you said about mindset because like, you know, limiting beliefs are, are really crucial, right? To any process, to anything you're doing. Um, and people don't like to learn. So I think school makes people. I, oh, let me ask you for everyone. School made me not love learning. Which is <laughs> wild. Way to put it. 
School I mean, made me bored. And when they call it bored of education, it really made me bored of education. I think I didn't come to learning how to le- learn how to learn or love to learn until like, I was older. Until like right. I was out of school, out of undergrad. And that's when I started like listening to audiobooks. And I'm like, oh, I love learning. Yeah. Um, but in school, it was just the regurgitate. Cause then, and then with learning, when you go into the real world, like you said, like in class, you need the accent mark. But I tell people I know enough Spanish to be funny. I'll go and <laughs> English. <laughs> but then people, and then learning how to be wrong, like people correct you. And like, right. and that, that, that instead of, but when people are like, no, 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 you work against that energy, it just, it blocks it. But when you flow with it, like, oh, someone said you're wrong, you flow with that, and you go this way. Like, life is about the flow. And it's like, I could be like, oh, yeah, you know, I got a couple of cheese steaks here. And I'm like pretending to cry. I'm like, I'm not crying. I got the mocos in my eyes. Mocos in my ojos, just boogers. Like, just being funny. Um, or when someone lies or potentially cracks a joke, I'd be like, mentiroso, mentirosa, which is like liar. But I know enough Spanish to kind of tease and be funny. And just, but that's, I don't need to know. I don't need to, where's the accent mark? Or say it here. If, if I say enough Spanish, I'm like, oh, you know, donde esta uh, bajo? They'll be like, oh, like, restaurant. I was like, biblioteca. I don't need to be, I don't need to make sure that the Don Day and Day came before the biblioteca. I give me a biblioteca, Don Day Star, and they'll be like, oh, I don't know the lecture, you know, Iskiria, Iskiria, I don't know, but I yeah. think, <laughs> why? No, that's real. And, and I, I think that, um, I mean, I look, I'm like, how old are you? Like, I feel like. I feel like standardized testing really, like, I just think about the No Child Left Behind. Standardized testing really changed how education was being approached. And so people do have a lot of apprehension towards learning. But also, like we said at the off top, is that shame. Shame was has been such a tool for quote-unquote learning. And I've been doing all this quote-unquote because I'm like, it's not real. Like, education systems built on shame is not learning. People are not oh. growing, mm-hmm. you know? And so just what you were saying around um, people learning how to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And and that's, for me, with language learning at least, it was a lot of just, like, being okay being corrected, mm-hmm. you know? Being okay, like, having someone, like, when I was, um, I was, like, relearning Spanish after, like, almost 10 years of not, not speaking Spanish. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't gone, but I was, you know, the vocabulary level. I had learned Spanish in elementary school, and I was coming back to it in my master's program. So oh. It was a huge gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're talking about, like, fracking and environmentalism and, like, all these different things in Spanish, where I, the Spanish that I had learned, we're talking about the trees and the rainbow. Autobus. <laughs> you know, we're like singing the colores. Like, it's like, really like, it's completely different. And so, that learning to be wrong, I, I think goes back to what we were talking about around failing forward. You know, mm-hmm. being able to try something, maybe you didn't stick the landing, and trying again to see like, okay, this might work this way rather than the way that I tried it um, and and I'm wondering with your motivational speaking did you just like instantly like okay like I have my script or I'm gonna go out there and like just do it on the fly like was there a methodology behind how you approach that um, I was on the fly 
Okay. So I was on the fly and reading the audience. So for example, if I'm talking about a specific part and I notice the audience is like glued in, then I'll go into more detail about that part. Mm. Um, also, if I felt that the audience was in an emotion too long, I'd be like, I feel like I use my psychology brain. If like, I felt like people were in an emotion too long, I'd throw in some humor. Um, but then also, mm. I'm a person who tries to face my fears in the moment. So if I didn't want to look stupid on stage, I would do something stupid on stage. <laughs> so I guess with the worm, I did the worm because I literally forgot what I was going to say. The very first time I did the worm, I was like, oh, what am I going to say? So I did the worm to kind of get people like, <laughs> yeah, a distraction. I was like, okay, I need a distraction. I need to do something funny. And then literally it's like one of the things that stick yeah. every time. We're like, we, we going to do the worm again. So I was like really just going with the flow. I was that like, is I think so crazy the message, the who you are, sometimes is more important than the message that you're giving. Because because all that comes together. So if I'm sharing something painful or inspirational, but also who I am doesn't feel right giving that, people are going to feel off about it. But if I'm sharing something painful, inspirational, and I do the worm, then I go over and give someone a high five and then point at people in the audience. And I'm like, raise your hand if you feel this way. And people are like raising their hand. And like now I'm having, because I'm a social person, I, I engage people when I'm talking. So I don't mm-hmm. just get up there. I can't read off a paper. I've done a couple of those where I wrote my speech out. Mm-hmm. Like I think for a high school graduation, Salinas, I wrote it out. Um, it was long. It was long than I wanted it to be. I was like, whoa. I've never read the speech <laughs> You're again. Like, you are somebody. <laughs> you are somebody. <laughs> you are somebody. You are some wait, wait, wait. Body. Oh, there yeah. we go. <laughs> I, those don't flow for me. I think right. for me it's it's more about being organic mm. and then allowing it to go where it goes. And then you get that feedback from people. People in the right. audience will either snap. Uh, but you can tell people how to give you feedback. Like, hey, if you like something, snap. I started doing that in the beginning. And they actually know, like, midway people snap. Like, yeah, midway people like, hey, I heard your snap. Now just cut in between in the sentence. I'm like, da da da. I heard that snap over there. Thank you. And someone's like, I heard you too. Okay, okay, y'all. Okay, let me get back to it. Let me get back to it. What was I saying? And I'll go back. And right. people will people will excuse those interruptions or me kind of saying, oh, I'm going to go back. I'm going to do this because they're with me. Like, we're all in this, we're in this moment together. Yeah. And I so think, I, think, I think it's really um, important. Yeah, so the family forward piece, like if you're family forward, consciously people will be there with you in the moment. And only if you see this, they'll be like, they'll be with you, okay, what's next? Like, what's the next move? Um, right. mm-hmm. Yeah, I really just, I like what you were saying about how you have to be authentic to yourself in the process, you know, mm-hmm. and, and really not being so bogged in whatever the rules are, whatever the, you know, the container that you're in, but being aware of who you're connecting with and how, right? So the question that I asked you was like, well, context, it depends on where I am, what mm-hmm. I'm talking about, what I'm doing, because mm-hmm. there are some places you probably couldn't do the worm, right? But you could go exactly. high five yep. someone or, mm-hmm. well, not now so much, but before you could go <laughs> high five someone or, you know, do the raising your hand thing. I love doing mm-hmm. that. Like I, when I speak different places, I'll start off with the breath. And so mm-hmm. we'll do like a collective breath. And it's Ooh. hilarious because people be like, that breath was so grounding for me. And I'm like, for y'all, that breath was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, also give me a moment. Mm-hmm. If I tell people, give, hey, give your neighbor a high five, I'm sitting there thinking, like, what am I going to say next? Yeah. Right, they're giving high fives. But that, then that becomes a part of the, the thing. Everyone's like, I love doing that. I love getting up. Like you said, I love the breath. And you're like, I'm going to keep that. And yeah. You who you, like, who you are is what you're delivering. It's not the content anymore. It's not the... And it's all the connected. shiny feathers in the background, like you're peacocking, you know, exactly. like a peacock. You have the no, just you sh- show up. 
Exactly. Show up as yourself in the ways that feel yeah. right, like right for you. And I actually got that same advice. Um, I'm working on getting certified in yoga right now. Nice. Yeah. And so my uh, my coach, my mentor, was like, we're talking about like I would be getting nervous when I'm talking and I'm like teaching people. And I had just taught Sierra um, like a, a little sequence. It was a small sequence, but I was like low key hyperventilating. And then I was like, oh, my God, I forgot to tell her to exhale. And then <laughs> I was, like, freaking out. And I was talking to my coach, and she was just like, you know, I often just stop and breathe myself when I'm teaching because me breathing cues everyone else to breathe, too. And so what you were saying about, you know, being silly and, like, holding space for you just being you also gives other people permission and gives them that access to themselves that they've really cut off, right? That they've had their own, like, societal, like, familial Mm -hmm. beliefs that really come to tell them, you can't do this. You can't go Mm -hmm. do that. You have to, you know, because of where we're from or who we are, you Mm -hmm. have to do these things. Exactly. And and I love that. I think that it, um, it really, it goes beyond this idea of failure or success, right? It's mm-hmm. embodiment. It's really you being able yes. to um, harness, like, just all of the different aspects of your experience into mm-hmm. who you are, rather than feeling like, this was this moment defined me. I will only ever be this moment. You right. know, a lot of people take that. They're like, um, and I know we have a lot of folks who are entrepreneurs and folks who are like, how do I figure out how to maximize this thing I'm doing and right. optimize what I, you know, all this stuff. And I just think that life is not as formulaic as people mm-hmm. ex- expect it to be. Um, and so what, like when I think about, you know, some of the things you've said, it's just like, there really is no way to predict this stuff. So as you said about the, the head and the heart, yeah, they're on completely different lanes because mm-hmm. the head is like, okay, so I have the itinerary set from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And the heart is like, okay, but I might need to go cry or check in on so-and-so. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so there's, there's so many aspects of it that, like, it's so funny that I think people have this misconception of what it means to be a leader. Yeah. I think people assume that being a leader means that you cannot fail or that you don't deal with challenges right right um and so i'm wondering if you have advice for someone who has recently failed um and like right failed Mm -hmm. in the the way that they might think that they can't get back up right you know i think if you fail and you can't get back up i think first thing to do is just plug into community you just plug in I think community helps. You'll hear folks who are telling things and highlighting things about you that you often forget when we're in a space of failure um, and we're in that space of shame. So I think community helps to kind of lift us up and kind of highlight those things that are going on. Mm-hmm. And then my next, I mean, if it was me, I would I would take that failure or failed thing and add it to the next thing I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm on stage and let's say I'm walking, I trip, I may just go like, did y'all just see that right there? <laughs> and let folks know like, hey, like, that wasn't scripted, but it happened. Um, right. And I think it's it's being in space, like the absurdity that comes up in our lives that we call failure wasn't unplanned, it was life that happened. I think um, 
those are just part of the process. We got to fall in love with it. So I say fall in love with the process, plug into community. Um, and if you want to start your podcast, your book, your YouTube channel, your just, just go, just do it. Just go. Um, no compare and despair. Um, and also if you, one thing I've learned when I was younger, um, like as I was becoming a social being as we all are, like if you go to weird level 10, people will meet you at weird level five. As I, that's also the kid. If you're the first one to dance floor, the second one will come up. But you don't need to be the best. One thing I learned about partying at CSU and B in high school, because <laughs> well, I would jump on the dance floor first, I don't need to be the best dancer on the dance floor. If I go first and I do what I'm good at, someone else will jump on the dance floor and outdo me, but I already started the party. So it's like I can leave the dance floor and people are like, oh my God, did you see what Pat did? Even though the next five people are going to do it way better than me, they weren't the first. So it's like, you either go and be the first or go be absurd. And or go mm. dance like I remember going to parties and people would be so drunk and they're just dancing super weird. You can tell they're drunk. I go next time I just dance the same way, even though I wasn't as drunk as them. Just to have a good time. Don't <laughs> just ask the end, just just jump into it, jump into the failure. Fail on purpose. Just go over there and just like, okay, I'm failing. Let me fail again. Let me see if I can fail in a different way. You know mm. what? If you're a kid and you wet the bed, wet the bed again. Just do it on purpose. <laughs> oh I think God. if you do failure on purpose, it takes away its power and then you can okay, figure out what you learn from it. So it's like, hey, if I'm trying to be a great dancer. Sometimes you can be a, a great choreograph, choreographed dancer, or sometimes you just got to be the person with the energy on the floor. Sometimes people, I've seen people who, and some people's opinion, can't dance at all. But whenever they go to the dance room, they're like, oh, I love what you did out there. People just love it. It's just like they ate it up, and it's like, all right. You don't necessarily need to be the best dancer for a TV set, but in, in every room that you walk in, you are the best dancer. You're the one who gets out there. You let go of, like, what society says how you should dance. You just go. Right. You just I, go. Yeah, and then, I had a friend yeah. that was like that. She would just go places and just do her. Um, mm -hmm. and, and people love it. Yeah, <laughs> Some people would pull out their phone, and now you're famous. Now you're on somebody's Snapchat story. <laughs> and right. now, you know, you made someone's day. Look, with permission, y'all, with permission. But I, I think that that just is, True, is really crucial um, to think about, you know, like how we allow ourselves to go into these spaces and, and really just go do it. You know, and mm -hmm. so I hope you were listening to the advice you were giving someone else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I, I hope mm -hmm. you you go back and look, listen back to the episode and be like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, so I gotta start my podcast. I gotta write, work, work <laughs> on my book. It's gonna, it's gonna happen. I'm over here like Pat. Look, I hope you're listening. Like <laughs> because it's, we, it's, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. The podcast is gonna get started. The website's gonna go up, and. And, you know, sometimes you got to listen to people. Sometimes entrepreneurs say, I'll take something from entrepreneur right now. It's like, get the version 3.0. Version, I, the iPod 1 or the iPhone 1 was crap. No one remembers it. Yeah. But now we're on iPhone 10, 20. So, like, get the version 3.0. You get a, my first website is going to be trash. Yeah. My first mean, podcast Instagram, might be trash. Instagram wasn't the best when it first came out. Facebook looked kind of crazy when it first came out. Mm -hmm. Twitter, we used to text our tweets in like <laughs> yes yes you remember them days i'm so, like i feel and, so archaic with that but it's true like that's the things that's, evolve yeah. so yeah. it's like failure failure is going to evolve quote unquote failure will evolve failure will not remain failure yeah it will evolve into and something I, new if you keep it going mm -hmm. and i want to emphasize that we had to use so many quote unquotes because we all have different definitions of failure different mm -hmm. definitions of success different mm -hmm. definitions of achievement and so the, mm -hmm. the quotes facilitate how we feel about it because everyone yes. has a different definition and you know we're holding space for that 
Um, thank you so much, Pat, for being here. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Um, I'm really excited for folks to listen and hopefully, you know, take away some some nuggets, some some gems mm-hmm. that that they might not have let themselves be open to before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Hope folks can grab, grab, gravitate towards what this is and pull things from it. And thank you for facilitating this. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Chit Chat with Alley Cat. And please subscribe where you listen to podcasts and tag me in any posts that you make about Chit Chat with Alley Cat uh, at Chit Chat. Alley Cat on Instagram and Twitter.